Matthew chapter 18 tonight. Matthew 18. And uh, like I said, I thank y'all for coming out tonight. Thank y'all for being faithful. You know, a lot of times, you know, and it's just the way it is. Sometimes when the preacher ain't here, people don't want to come to church. You know what I'm saying? It's just, that's a fact. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad. Listen, it means a lot. It means a lot to, you know, people when they get up here to preach, that people shows up. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate it. I appreciate that a lot. We're going to be in uh, Matthew 18, and we're going to start in verse 21. Y'all don't have to stand up because I'm going to read the rest of the chapter from there. It says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? You got to love old Peter. He'll ask a question and then answer his own question or, or give a half answer. It's funny. He, he, you got to love that guy. Anyway, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore, then he, he changes gears right here. You hold on right here, this parable. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will repay, all, repay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid his hand, hand on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, but thou desirest, because thou desirest me, shouldest thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due him unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. The title of my message tonight is Doing the Hard Thing. And uh, this parable, you know, a parable is an earthly story that, has a, that gives a heavenly principle. That's what a parable is. It's not just a little story that, that Jesus told. There's, listen, if Jesus said something, then it had purpose. He didn't say anything that didn't have purpose. And when he, when he uh, told Peter this story, um, you know, it's, it's eye-opening it's, it's eye in the context. If you study this thing, I'd have been reading it. I'd have read this thing 50 times. And you just, every time you read it, you just pick a little bit of something out of it, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I urge you, when you read your Bible, don't get in a hurry. 
Get in that thing and, and read it and reread it. And if something don't seem right, read it till you'll get it. Eventually you'll get it in the Lord. But on this, on this parable, you have a couple characters here. You have the king and you have the servant and the fellow servants. I want to spend the first point here. I want to spend a little bit of time on that king. And what, what we're looking at is basically we're talking about forgiveness tonight. And the first point of this is what I'm calling vertical forgiveness. That's forgiveness from God to man. That king right there represents God in this story, in this parable. He represents God. And if you'll look in verse 23 through 27, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, which would account, which take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him, which owed 10,000 talents. I got to looking that up at 10,000 talents. This was in 2015, I think is what I found. In 2015, 10,000 talents, it was, would be $3.48 billion. That's an exorbitant amount. That is two, let's hear it, it says 200 years of labor and 60 million work days to pay back that debt that that guy owed, that servant owed that king. But the Bible says that that king looked on him after he fell down and he had compassion on him. And he forgave him that debt. Well, I can remember a time yep. when the God of heaven yep. sent out his auditors and they come to me and they showed me that I had a debt that I couldn't pay. And I'm glad that we have a God that cares enough for us and has compassion on us that is willing to forgive our debt that we can't pay. We would have to pay for eternity to pay that debt. And because of his love and his compassion and his mercy and his grace, he looked down on us. Everyone, if you're saved in here to die, he looked on you with compassion. And he knew you had a debt that you couldn't pay. And that's why, that's why he sent Jesus he sent Jesus so he could pay that debt. He had compassion on that servant. And I'm glad that we can, we can take part of that vertical forgiveness. That vertical uh, re forgiveness res uh, represents the forgiveness of God and has no limits or boundaries. And I think about what it costs God to forgive us, to forgive me as an individual. He had to send his only begotten son that he loved so much. And he had to live a sinless and perfect life in this flesh. And he had to, he laid, listen, they didn't take his life. He laid it down. They scourged him. They, listen, they put a crown of thorns on his head and smashed it into his brow. They beat him mercilessly. They took him and they made him carry that heavy cross after he was beat to a pulp. Isaiah said his visage was so marred that you couldn't even, you couldn't even see what he was. You couldn't even tell he was human. And they made him carry that cross up that hill. And then when he got up there, that cross hit the, hit the ground. And they didn't have to hold him, and they didn't have to force him down. He laid on that cross. And when he laid on that cross, they nailed them hands and them feet so we could be forgiven. So we could experience the forgiveness of God and the love of God. He laid his life down for us. 
And I'm going to tell you, the, the most extreme example of vertical, vertical forgiveness was when Jesus Christ said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, he was on that cross for our sins, treated like a thief, beat, bludgeoned, whipped, all, every drop of his blood coming out of his body. And they're standing down there mocking him. And everybody's saying, hey, if you're the son of God, come down. If you're the son of God, call down 10 legions of angels. Let them come and get you off the cross if you're the son of God. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Listen, that, that forgiveness right there is exactly what he's talking about right here in this parable. That guy could never repay that debt. We could never repay that debt that we owe it would take us for eternity. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, I'm glad that we have a God that still forgives sin. We have a God, listen, and when he, forget, when he forgives that sin, he forgets that sin. He forgets it. Yep. He casts it into the sea of forget, forgetfulness. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Listen, God knew how, how sorry we'd be when he sent Jesus. He knew all the things that you would do in your life that was against him, that was anti-Christ and, 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 and just wicked. He knew that. But he sent Jesus despite that. And he came down here and he, and he suffered and he died for us. And when God forgives our sins forever, Isaiah says this in Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sin. Thank God for a forgetful God. Amen. I'm, I'm glad there's some things that he wants to forget. Uh, because you know what? We have a hard time forgetting them ourselves sometimes. Hebrews 10, 16 says this, this is the covenant that I will make with them after, after these days or those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds and I will write them. In their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Thank God for that vertical forgiveness. Thank God that he still saves souls today. Thank God that we can tell people about Jesus and lead them to that king that will, that will forgive them their debt that they can't pay and that will forget everything from that point back. Listen, God ain't sitting up there in heaven. He ain't sitting up there in heaven. He says, uh, Ricky, you need to straighten out because you remember what you did that one time? Thank God we ain't got a God like that. Amen. I mean, man, because he'd be running his mouth all the time after me. I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't get no rest because he'd be right in my ear. And you know it and I know it because you'd be the same way. Listen, it, it, listen, I'm telling you, we have a wonderful Savior. We have a heavenly Father that that you, he's beyond explanation. We can stand up here and say, 
Every word that we know that, that lifts God up and it still ain't enough. We can't, get past, we can't get past it. Our mind can't, we don't understand that way. But I'm thankful for that vertical forgiveness. But I want to talk about this second part right here, which I'm calling horizontal forgiveness. That's the forgiveness one to another. You see, we, if, if you're saved, you've got that vertical forgiveness. God's already forgiven you for, for all that, all your sin debt. It's gone. But now we have, we have to think about everybody else that we come in contact with every day. Okay? And we're going to find that in um, verse 28 through 30. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. As a child of God, we have to be willing to forgive other people. You cannot be right with God and have aught in your heart against your brother. That wicked servant was a terrible example of how we should deal with other people that, that have wronged us or, or owe, us, owe us something, owe a debt to us or something. That he is, a, he is a very, very bad example of that. And I want you to understand this. If God is willing to forgive us and forget it, so should we. We should be able to forgive somebody and forget about it. We like to hold on to stuff too much. That's the problem. We, we like to hang on to stuff. And Colossians 3, uh, 12 and 13 says this. Put therefore as... Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, if any man have any, a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. One thing that you'll never find in Scripture is that God says it would be easy to forgive somebody. You ain't find it. If you do find it, I want chapter, book, and page, and everything. I want to know where it's at because I want to see it. God said it didn't, never said it would be easy to forgive people. Listen, people are depraved. You're going to come in. Listen, if, if, you, if you deal with people, somebody is going to do you wrong. Somebody's going to say something that hurts your feelings. Somebody's going to put you in a situation that you don't want to be in. And it's not going to be easy to get past that. And, and forgive them for it. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a situation last week that it tested every, it tested every fiber of my being. I'm going to be honest with you. Because it was just after that. Uh, the, the, listen, don't, don't turn me off after this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm just, listen, you want me to tell you the truth, right? You don't want me to stand up here and lie to you. But I'm going to tell you the truth, how bad we are, okay? And how bad you are. Okay, so I was out on my job. And we had the road closed. It was after Hurricane Fred, and it was, it was wet. Everything was wet, right? So we had the road closed, and I was sitting on a little side road, and I, and I pulled out to, to leave, and, and a truck, a big truck, blew through the flaggers. So, and he was coming straight to me, so I had to ditch. I had to go in the ditch, all right? 
had, or hit him head on, and I didn't want to do that, so I went in the ditch. Well, the ditch had a little bit of water in it. Well, the property owner just happened to be standing over here. Yay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's standing over here, okay? And he's, he's mad already because the first thing he does is I see him standing there and I roll the window down, and the first thing he does is cuss me a blue streak because his cable's out. I'm like, I don't have anything to do with your cable. Okay? I have zero to do with your cable, okay? We did not turn your cable off, okay? So then he goes from that, he goes from that to cussing me because I messed his ditch up. And I said, well, sir, I'm in your ditch because that truck about hit me head on. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And I was sitting there thinking, if you don't go on, I am going to drown you in this ditch. I'm serious. I thought it. I thought it. I thought it. If you don't go on, three inches of water is plenty. I'm, I'm just telling you straight up. But you know what? Something after, after a minute, there was something inside of me that said he needs Jesus. He needs forgiveness. I'm going to give him some grace. I'm not going to drown him. I'm going to let him live so he can get saved. Amen. So if I drowned him he, and he wasn't saved, uh, that wouldn't be good, right? So, you know, that's how, listen, that's how we think. Tell, don't tell me, don't sit there and tell me that you ain't never thought about something like that. If you, if you haven't, maybe you should be standing up here. Maybe you should be standing up here preaching <laughs> because I ain't never seen nobody that hadn't had a thought like that, especially, man, I mean, I don't know this guy from Adam. Man, I just, I was just trying not to die, okay? Just help me out here. Have a little grace, all right? So, but you know, God never said it would be easy to forgive somebody that's hurt you or wronged you or, or cussed you out or, or whatever. And you know what? God's, God, they don't say anywhere in here that you need an apology to forgive them either. You don't need an apology from them to forgive them. They don't even have to know that you forgive them. It don't matter. Because at that point, it's not between you and them, it's between you and him. See, apologies, they don't matter. Now, that being said, I did hear a story about this drunk driver. He was driving down the road, and this little young girl that hadn't been long driving. Anyway, he hit on killed her. They put him in jail, of course, and they tried him for manslaughter. Okay? So they tried the guy for manslaughter, and he was found guilty. But that, that young lady's dad, I'd be thinking about how to kill somebody again. You know what I'm saying? But that, that young lady's dad stood up in court in front of the jury the judge and everybody else and forgave that man for doing that. Now that, I'm gonna tell you something. That's mature Christian 101 right there, buddy. That's some serious business. I mean, you're talking about family. And he stood up in court and forgave that man for drink, drinking and driving and killing his daughter. Now, because he did that, when that man was in jail, somebody come in there and preach the gospel, and he got saved. And now, believe it or not, just because they were willing to forgive one another, and willing, he was, that, listen, that inmate, he was willing to be forgiven. 
And he got saved. And now they have a, they have a relationship. He's, at, he's out of prison. They're going to church. I mean, you know, listen, man. God, God it's, it's imperative that we forgive one another. You can't be right with God if you have an unforgiving spirit. It's impossible. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how many times you say amen. I don't care how many times you raise your hand. You can't be right with God if you got all in your heart against somebody. And you have the power to, to get rid of that. You have the power to get past that. And that's what we have to do. But there, God warns us, there's some consequences for having an unforgiving spirit. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 and 15, it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. There's a warning in there. About midway in that verse, there's a warning right there. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. You know what that word fail means? Missing the mark, falling short. I think there's a verse that talks about that. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah. What God's saying right there, if you ain't willing to forgive somebody, you may not pass that test. You might, not, you might not have that vertical forgiveness. If you're not willing, as a child of God, to forgive somebody, you might not even be a, you might not even be a child of God. If you think you're saved, and if you are saved, and you can't forgive, I'd check up. I mean, i just check up. i will just do a little self-check. You should do that anyway. You should do that, I mean, anyway, man. Look, get in the Word. I mean, you know... I didn't write it. But that's what it says. It says, looking diligent lest any man or any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many, many be defiled. Many. Some of the consequences of a spirit of unforgiveness is this. Number one, it hinders spiritual growth or maturity. You know, if something ain't growing, it's dead or it's dying. The second thing it does, it breaks fellowship with God. It makes you feel like God's a million miles away. Has anybody ever felt like God was a million miles away? I can tell you I have, and it ain't fun. It ain't fun because you feel like you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere all by yourself, and it's dry, and it's barren, and it's hard to deal with. And it's a long way back when you get that far. I'm telling you right now from experience, it's a long ways back. When you get that spirit of unforgiveness and you get that separation, that wall built up between you and God, and you know you're saved and you know you, ought to fe- you want a fellowship with God, but you can't get to him because of you. That's serious business. There ain't nothing to be trifled with. That's dangerous for a child of God. It hardens your heart. It makes you less sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's how, that's how God deals with us through the Holy Spirit. That's how he convicts us of our sin. He convinces us. Hey, 
when I got saved, he convicted me of my sin and he convinced me that Jesus was the Savior. If you get to a point in your life to where the Holy Spirit can't deal with you, that's a terrible place to be. That's a terrible place to be. The next one is it causes bitterness. That bitterness, that root of bitterness that springs up will affect every relationship that you have. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect, affect your relationship with your children. It'll affect your relationship with your coworkers. It, it'll, it will affect every relationship that you have. It'll destroy it. It'll drive a wedge in there. And that's a dangerous place to be. And number five, it makes you useless for God. God can't use you if you're not willing to forgive somebody. I don't know about you, but time's getting short. And I've wasted a lot of time, and I don't want to waste no more. I want, I want God to use me. And if you're a child of God, you should want God to use you too. And, and, and when, you, it, when you get out of that will of God, and it makes you useless, it makes you an easy target. It makes you an easy target. You think about, now I like, I like watching them wildlife shows. You know, about the lions and stuff. Maddie, she loves lions. She absolutely loves them. And I think they're majestic. I mean, I, I, I think, man, listen, hey, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, amen? Those lions, they say them things can roar and you can hear them five miles away. You kidding me? That's ridiculous. That blows my mind. But listen, here's the thing. They don't go after the strongest. Nah. They ain't going to go chase down no 2,500-pound uh, Cape Buffalo. I'm going to tell you that right now because they're going to die, okay? They, they, they're going to die. They don't call them things black death or nothing, all right? But what they go after is them little, them little gazelles that are about two days old. You know, they can't even walk good yet. Yeah, that's who they go after. That's because they're weak. And when you have a spirit of unforgiveness in your heart, it makes you weak. Yes, sir. And you're an easy target for the devil. The devil will devour you. He will chew you up and spit you out just because you're full of pride and unable to forgive somebody. The Bible says pride goeth before destruction and a proud spirit before the for a fall. It'll, it's, a, it's a bad thing. We've got to stay away from that. Ephesians 4 and 31 and, 30, uh, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, another, even as for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. But there, there, not only are there consequences, but there's a penalty for unforgiveness. Look at verse 31 through 34. I'm going to hurry up. I'm going to be done here in a minute. 31 through 34. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their, unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have also had, or had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him 
to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now, the Bible says that the king rebuked that servant and turned him over to the tormentors. Those tormentors, I looked that word up, it says a person who inflicts severe mental or physical suffering upon somebody. And I was thinking, that's a little extreme. You know, I was, you know, tormentors, delivering him to the tormentors, you know, extreme mental anguish and all that. And I, and I got to looking, I said, well, why did he do that? Well, the Bible says that he had a debt to pay. He had a debt to pay. So my question is, when I was reading this, I was like, well, well, if he has a debt to pay, who's he got a debt to pay to? Because the king already forgave him. That debt's gone. So who do you have the debt to? The debt was to the fellow servant. He, he owed him forgiveness. He owed him forgiveness. That's what that debt is. You study that out. I'll tell you something, that, that book is something else. <laughs> if you ever think that you've arrived, man, you better back up a few steps. I'm telling you, because I've read that a bunch, and I never got that. I thought, you know, yeah, he put that guy back in prison to pay that 10,000 talents, but he didn't. He put him in that torments so till he got to the point to where he would forgive that guy for those uh, 100 pence. If you look at that... Read it again. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And you know what? I think that's, that's a reason why so many Christians that have that spirit of unforgiveness are so miserable and bitter. And, and you know, they're just hard to be around. They're not happy. Listen, Christians should be happy. We should have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't be moping around like, uh, like what's that donkey's name on uh, Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore. Yeah, we shouldn't be like, we shouldn't be doing that. Man, we should have the joy of the Lord living in us. And, and look at verse 35. This is where, there's where it brings context to that verse 34. And it says, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. That brings context to the, the verse 34. But you'll read right over that if you don't slow down. And you'll think, well, he's just talking about putting him in prison for that debt, that 10,000. He's unforgiven. He done forgot about that 10,000. It's gone. But right there it is. And then God has, has these people that have this spirit of uh, unforgiveness. Their, their prison is their mind. It is their mind. It's not a physical prison. It's in their mind. It's, it's mental torments because they're all the time thinking about it. That person, man, that sorry rascal, he done me like that. There ain't no way I could ever forgive him. And they go on and on and on and on. Well, this person said that to me, and this person right here, they were rude. This guy right here cussed me out, and that guy did this. There ain't, there ain't no way I could forgive them. 
that mind over and over and over and over. And you know what? They just get calloused. They get chafed in their mind and they're, and they're worthless until they allow forgiveness to be paid. Until they pay that forgiveness that they owe. That's the way that works. And I got another one on here, and it's not in here. This one right here is bonus, okay? This is all bonus. I won't charge you nothing for it, okay? And it's called self-forgiveness. Oh, yeah. You don't find it in this little portion right here, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. You see, as Christians, a lot of times we have real, we don't have a problem forgiving people. We don't have a problem with that, man. Well, you look, man, that ain't no problem. That ain't no big deal, man. No, you're good. We're good. We're good. I, you know, it's forgiven. We can pass that out. There's some people, man, man, you couldn't do nothing to them to offend them. You know what I'm saying? Because the Bible says, really, if I get offended, it's my fault. It's my fault. I'm not spiritual enough if I get offended. Okay, the other day I wasn't too spiritual, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and say, say that right now for a disclaimer. But we're real easy at dishing out forgiveness to other people. But when it comes to forgiving ourselves, sometimes we have a problem with that. We have a real problem with that. And as Christians, I mean, man, look, man, look. There's a biblical basis for self-forgiveness, Okay. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If God's forgiven you, he's forgot about it. Why are you dwelling on it? Why do we do that? I mean, we did something 15 years ago, and we still dwell on it. I can't believe I did that. God says, what are you talking about? That's right. It's gone. That's holding you back. Get it right. Forget about it. Don't look back. And I think that's a problem that we have nowadays. Here's another verse for you. In Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, you can read that verse now, and there'll be no condemnation. You can read that thing in five minutes. There'll be no condemnation. If you read it last week, there was no condemnation then. If you read it for a year from now, there'll be no condemnation. Because that is, now is present tense. Every time you, listen, if you get to thinking about something you did, Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation. You could practice that and, and get it right. And one of the major reasons that we have trouble forgiving ourselves is we look back. God forgets our sin after it's confessed, but we don't, and the world and the devil remind us of it all the time. The devil, man, he'll stick it to you. He'll take something you've done when you are in the fourth grade. Hey, didn't that brother up there at the thing give that pen back? Give that pen back to Zach? See what I'm saying? See what, there you go. Fourth grade. 
He'll, that devil, man, he keeps a track, man. He writes it down. He don't know. He don't let go. He wants to keep you right here. And he'll keep bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. But the problem is, is we look back. And the thing about that is, David said this over in Psalm 139, 14. He says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right and well. You know God didn't create us to look back. God did not create us to look back. God is there. We lined up with him, right? We lined straight up with him. That's how we're supposed to be. Line straight up with him, all right? Now we can look up. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our salvation, right? And then we can look left and we can look right. And uh, over in First Peter, be sober and be vigilant for your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeketh who he may devour. Yep, we can look for him. We can look up, we can look for him, and we can look down. The Bible says, thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. But we can't look back without changing direction. When you go to looking back, you, you got to turn and change direction. And at that point in time, you're not looking at God anymore. You can't, you cannot. God didn't design us to look back. Ever forward, never backwards. Looking unto Jesus, keeping our eyes, be sober, be, be vigilant. Getting this book. Make it a, a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. Now remember, I, man, I was doing this the other day, and I, the, there's a verse over in Luke chapter 17 where those Pharisees are talking to Jesus, and they're trying to catch him in a lie. And they're asking him when the, about his second coming, when the Lord's coming back. And in the middle of that whole thing, there's, there's a three-word verse that stands out. It's kind of like it's out of place. You know what it says? Remember Lot's wife. In the middle of all that, what'd she do? She looked back. That's exactly right. She looked back. What happened? She ended up in the pillar of salt. What happened? Now she's, we shaking her out somewhere around here <laughs> on some barbecue. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> All right, so, and here's, here's a quick fact for you. Biblical fact right here. There's only three times in Scripture, there's only three times in Scripture that, uh, in the Bible, that uses the phrase, look back or look behind. And all three times, somebody was in trouble. That's just, that's in the book. Every time you look back, you go ahead, there's going to be some trouble. There's some trouble coming because right here, there's three, three times. And remember, if you have convinced, listen, you might have sinned, done something today. You might have said something you shouldn't have said. If you said, Lord Jesus, I shouldn't have said that, and you know I shouldn't have said that, please forgive me, then don't look back on it. It's gone. It's gone. There ain't a thing in the world you can do about it. There ain't a thing in the world. And then, last but not least, the starting point of forgiving ourselves is to experience God's forgiveness. We, listen, 
You'll never, if you're in here tonight and you're not saved, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. If you're having a hard time forgiving yourself, I understand that. But if you, if you will yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and get saved and experience God's love and his forgiveness, you'll be able to forgive yourself and you'll be able to forgive others. Man, let's talk, you know, we don't really preach a whole lot about forgiveness. I mean, yeah, God's forgiven us, but not about forgiving each other or forgiving yourself for something that you did, you know. We don't preach about that. We need to. Somebody, I mean, we, somebody, this needs to be preached because it's crippling our churches. It's crippling our families. It's crippling our homes. We need to, we need to get this thing right. And I appreciate you listening to me tonight. I know I rambled a lot and I, I said some crazy good, stuff. Good, good. But if y'all was up here, y'all be saying crazy stuff too. Because <laughs> it's nerve wracking, I'm telling you that right now. I appreciate the preacher. Hopefully I didn't say nothing to keep me from preaching again. That's always a, I, I, it could, could happen, you know. You might say something, you get kicked out or something, you know. Praise the Lord, we got a God that forgives Amen. and forgets. And praise God that we can, if we're in Christ, that we can freely forgive people. You know, and because of Christ, we can forgive ourselves. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Brother Brandon, you come on up here and give us an invitation, sir. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment here as our pianists will make their way to the piano. I love that first point, that vertical forgiveness. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. We would not do an invitation justice if we, were not, if we did not ask this one question. If you're in here and you're lost, you've never experienced that forgiveness. You've never experienced God's love and his forgiveness. You never came to a point in your life when you realized that you need a savior. But you want to be saved. You want to be forgiven. You want to trust Jesus today. You say, Brother Brandon, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saved. Why don't you do this for me? Just slip your hand up just real quick and take it right back down. We just want to pray for you. If you're watching by way of live stream and you've never experienced that forgiveness, I want you to do something right now. There's a number across the bottom of that screen. You call it. You call that number. There'll be people that are ready, standing by those phones to take that phone call and be able to take the Bible and show you how you can experience forgiveness. Not as the world forgives and remembers and brings back up, but for true forgiveness. through a holy and just God who loves you. Let's all stand tonight. Let's all stand tonight with our head bowed and our eyes closed. Just for a moment, just as a, a, a small invitation, as Abel sings here in just a moment, I jotted down just a couple things. Number one, have you asked God to forgive you of your sins? Are you saved tonight? Very simply put, number two, have you forgiven others who's done something to you? Maybe tonight you just need to come to an old-fashioned altar and forgive yourself. 
I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're going through. You do. God does. He loves you tonight. Whatever it is, understand this, that you can bring it to Him. No matter how big, no matter how small, you can bring it to Him. For He cares for you. Abel, you 